Hello and welcome to the Form of Fitness podcast, a podcast where I, Nathan Shanes, and my co-host Duncan Bryson will be breaking down the world of fitness into bite-sized pieces of information, such as exercise philosophies, routines, and more. We're glad you're along for the journey. We hope you enjoy the show. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Form of Fitness podcast. I'm joined again by Duncan, and today we're going to be talking about, like, Lifting gear, such as like straps and grips and stuff like that. So you go ahead and get us started off. Yeah, so I really kind of despised lifting gear for the longest time. And in my brain, I was like, ah, it's cheating. But that was kind of a misinformed like stance on the subject. And I think that lifting gear is one of the easiest and oftentimes one of the more helpful ways of kind of avoiding these chronic pain problems that lifters usually have. I mean... If you're talking about back pain, uh, tennis and golfer's elbow, a lot of lifters have complained about. And then like foot pain as well is something that's a bit more common as like not necessarily a chronic issue, but like after someone's finished lifting, they're like, damn, my feet hurt. Yeah, Um, There's usually a reason for that. So oftentimes having this equipment can be very helpful for you. Um, It allows you to lift more and subsequently grow more muscles. Yep. Um, and often it does this by kind of reducing the form limitations of your lift and also making sure that the muscles that the lift is supposed to um, be targeting are targeted. Um, they can protect against injury pretty well. Um, again, kind of by stopping you from using like these secondary muscles that aren't really supposed to be a part of this lift. Um, they can also help with confidence. Like I, I've seen people who are just deathly afraid of the gym or deathly afraid of like, let's say if deadlift, everyone knows deadlift is a risky lift for back pain. So there's a lot of people who just don't have the confidence without their belt to go and perform this lift effectively. Um, it can also reduce mental fatigue. This is something that I think a lot of people don't think about when they're in the gym, but especially if you're going for more than an hour, um, mental fatigue does become a serious problem where not only are you having to worry about how many sets you're doing, not only are you maybe getting a bit tired and you're thinking about lunch or dinner or what you're doing at outside of the gym, but you're also having to think about keeping your form proper. Yep. And especially when like that hour mark is going past, it's really hard to make sure that you're using the proper form. Um, and then one of the other pros of wearing gear um is it's built into the stresses of lifting and working out so like i remember i was at my crossfit gym not that long ago and there was a girl who was wearing running shoes and we were doing rope climbs she tore through her hundred dollar pair of running shoes (laughs) because she didn't have the proper equipment and that can get costly if every time you do a movement you're um, clothing that you're usually wearing to the gym is getting torn up because it's not made for that. Yeah, um, It can be much more cost-effective to maybe splurge on the $150 pair of shoes that have the rope guard so that when you're going up and down the rope, it's not tearing into the sole of your shoe. We can then also talk about the cons of having you know, gear. And it can oftentimes result in a little bit of dependency, just like it can build your confidence. You can also start treating it like a crutch. You could always see a deadlift and be like, well, I need my belt on me. If I don't have my belt, I can't do a deadlift. Yep. Um, some competitions do not allow certain aids. 
Um, oftentimes, like, especially when you get into high level stuff, certain knee sleeves aren't allowed. Sometimes they start saying, well, you can't use a belt for deadlift because you're not being able to demonstrate that you can keep your core tight. Um, and then like other things can kind of come in the way of you not necessarily being able to use the armoring up, um, strategies just because let's say putting on a belt takes a couple seconds and you're being timed for how many deadlifts you can do. And so that's just going to slow you down. Um, it can also result in overconfidence, which can be (laughs) a bit of a problem. Um, just because you wear, you know, a belt and you're using grips, that doesn't mean that you can pretend like the problems that those things are helping you fix aren't there. Um, I've seen some people who will put on a belt, immediately try and pick up a deadlift, and the first thing that happens is their back curves. Yep. And also, like, this stuff can cost money. It, yeah. it, it's an investment. I, I would argue it's a good investment, but it, I mean, at the same time, buying all this stuff total probably is going to run you 200 to $300. Um, Depending on what you're willing to include, that is. Yeah. yeah. And for some people, that can be a big expense, you know, all at once. Um, some people might have to like kind of put their stuff together piecemeal. Um, it can also reduce the mindfulness in the lift. And this again, just goes back to, there's a time where you want to focus on your form and you don't want anything to aid you in keeping your form because that's what you're trying to improve. And then there's times where you want to get the most out of your lift for strength purposes and wearing something like a belt that helps you keep your form is beneficial. Um, and then another con is kind of just like the pro of, you know, it helps get the most out of your lift by making some of your secondary, uh, muscle systems or secondary, um, you know, mechanisms from stopping your progress in the lift. It, wearing this stuff can also stop some of your secondary systems from developing. I mean, I'm thinking specifically, like if you wear grips for pull-ups, you know, you're kind of eroding on your grip strength unless you're up there for an exceedingly long amount of time. And so then when you're trying to go and do other things where you need grip and you haven't trained that in a while, that can be problematic. Yeah. I mean, this is, that's true with a lot of things, especially when it comes to, uh, even in the grip strength, the grip strength category tends to be one thing that's, um, really big as far as what these things are preventing you from working on as well as like, uh, when maybe you talk about wrist wraps, uh, for things like bench press that you use wrist wraps for where you're going to essentially reduce stress on your wrist. Obviously, like they're good and they're helpful, especially at these higher weights. But for there's a certain amount of stress that you kind of need to put on your joints mm-hmm. that that is good and healthy for them to help, uh, you know, essentially build the micro muscles around them and build strength and sturdiness around them. So, yeah, yeah like stress is not always a bad thing. And oftentimes, you know, in order to build muscle, you have to put your body through stress. Your body doesn't um, build muscle when there's no stress. In fact, you actually start losing muscle um, due to like your environment being void of stress. And so keeping that in mind, understanding what these different, you know, um, pieces do to help support you in your lifting and in your exercises and in your movements will not only help you understand when to use them, but also if you want to use them. Um, 
So the first thing that I kind of want to get into is grips. Now, there's two big types of grips, and that's gymnast grips and lifting grips. These grips are different. <laughs> um, you cannot transpose one into the other. Uh, so a gymnast grip is usually like a leather base and then has something on top that makes it a little bit more ductile so that when you're trying to do pull-ups on like a pull-up bar or muscle-ups or anything else, your hands aren't ripping. Instead, the thing that's um, attached to the pull-up bar is the grip, and then your hands are within those grips. And so this makes it easier for you to rip out like big sets without having to worry about a bunch of friction um, causing all of these calluses that have built up on the palms of your hands from ripping open and bleeding, especially if you're trying to um, do a lot of like gymnast style exercises over long periods of time, you should probably invest in some grips so that you don't have to worry about this because when you rip your hands, it makes it really hard to do anything with your hands <laughs> for the amount of time that you're oh, yeah. doing Big stuff. Time. And then also like some gyms just won't allow you to like bleed all over their equipment. They don't <laughs> like that. <laughs> so getting some gymnast grips can really help, um, not only prevent injury, but also provide like longevity to your workouts. Um, Gymnast grips can, however, reduce, you know, the required grip strength in order to um, stay on that bar. And so, like, if you're doing something like dead hangs, maybe don't use a gymnast grip. Um, However, when you're doing, like, pull-ups, and then especially when you're working on, like, bar muscle-ups and stuff like that where your hands are really almost rotating around that bar a little bit or there's forces trying to move your hand on that bar – Investing in some gymnast grips can really help you keep your hands on there. And hashtag not sponsored, but there are some great companies and brands that sell you gymnast grips. And something that I think is very important to keep in mind is when you buy gym equipment, don't cheap out. Yeah. <laughs> A $10, $20 pair of whatever is not going to be as good as something that's name brand and vetted. Look at the reviews. Look at who's wearing what around the gym when you go and understand that they're probably using this for a reason. Um, So like the most common grips that I've seen for gymnasts have been like bear complex pixel rogue and all these companies kind of have a CrossFit, you know, influence. And so that's of course where I've been seeing my um, grips and they can get expensive. They can be $40, $30. And for some people they're like, Whoa, that's, that's a bit much. But understand that, like, I've had my grips for two years. Yeah. They're still very functional. And, in fact, grips, kind of like pull-up bars, the more dirty they get, the more chalky they get, the better they function. And yeah, you got to wear Helping them you keep them on. So, oftentimes I find that it helps a lot to um, not only understand that sometimes costly isn't necessarily a bad thing, but also understand what you should be looking for in terms of wear and tear on your um, items as well. Definitely. So then we can talk about lifting grips and a lifting grip basically just helps to keep the grip on the barbell. Instead of worrying about if your fingers give way, it helps convert a lot more of that pulling force to your wrist and it helps you make sure that you don't have to worry too much about like anything else other than 
you know, let's say the deadlift. And oftentimes I feel like that's the main um, movement that I've seen these being used. Yep. Um, however, of course, this reduces the required uh, grip strength. And lifting grips are not always necessary. Um, I've seen people use something like switch grip or hook grip to great success. Um, and the switch grip isn't very hard to implement, understand, and use. Nope. The hook grip is. Yep. Um, <laughs> like, I hate the hook grip. I can't. I, I've I haven't practiced it enough to really feel comfortable doing it. I switch grip, okay. and I uh, I just like I've tried to use straps before, but I always feel like I'm doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things I've watched multiple videos on it. So I'm gonna need someone that's very very familiar with using grips yeah. to show me how to use them properly because I feel like I'm not distributing that weight properly whenever I am using them, mm-hmm. and then I just you know drop them off and stick <laughs> with the switch grip because the switch yeah. grip you know. Switch grip is easy. Yeah. It's also, it's not hard to, me- like, it's easy. Let me let me think out. It's hard to mess it up. Mm-hmm. It is hard to mess up switch grip. Yep. Just because it's such a simple um, way to do it. And on top of that, from what I've heard with other people, when you do do switch grip, it makes it feel like it's easier to retain good quality form. Because mm-hmm. you have one, one hand kind of like, you know, under or behind the bar and then one in front or over the bar. And so it makes it feel like you have control of the weight a lot more than it does just trying to like yank it. Yeah. Is what some people describe it as. Yep. And then if anyone does not understand what I mean by hook grip, essentially the hook grip is taking your thumb and wrapping the two fingers of here, what is this? The middle finger and the pointer finger over the thumb around the bar. So that Essentially, the force of the bar that's being pulled goes straight up your arm instead of being dispersed kind of along your hand and then up your arm. And so the idea there is it's a much cleaner um, line of force. Yeah. And so this allows you to be able to hold onto that bar uh, more easily because your wrist and the your forearm is sustaining a lot more of this. Um. And then the next thing we're going to talk about is lifting shoes. Now, I cannot stress this enough. Shoes play a bigger role in certain lifts than you would think. Um, Specifically, I'm thinking of squats. Oh, big time. If you are trying to squat on a shoe that is, let's say, especially made for running. Yeah. Running shoes are made to rock. (laughs) You don't want to rock. They're made to... Change in position. Yeah. They are made to absorb impact. Impact. Squats, you are going straight up and straight down, and your shoe is going to try to move with you, especially if you're in a running shoe. And so oftentimes this can lead to other problems that will result in injury. It's not a question of if. It's a question of how long. How long until um, it happens. Especially if you're constantly progressing in weight. Yep. Um. And so oftentimes it's a lot easier to just lift on a flat surface. I remember like for the longest time, especially in Olympic meets, people would just go shoeless for the longest time they, oh, yeah. I- instead of wearing shoes because the technology wasn't there for like lifter shoes to be that good. Um, nowadays, some lifting shoes are better than like being barefoot and the support that they add. Um, and also a bunch of gems don't like you going around barefoot um, or even in socks. Yeah. 
but even in socks, some gyms don't. I know. They get um, pissy. Yeah. And part of that also is having a shoe protects your foot a bit more than just wearing socks if you were to ha- happen to, like, drop a weight on it. Um, so some of the shoes that I've seen around and we're – I think one of the cheapest options here is like the Converse. Oh, yeah, I've seen a common. lot of people wear like Converse's. Any like flat shoe like that that mm-hmm. is notorious for not having support. That's probably what you want to yep. wear if if you're going the cheap route. Yeah, the Nike Blazers are crazy popular right now. Yeah, um, really any high tops with a flat, yeah. uh, flat insole and flat bottom is because re- you know people treat it like it's basically like being right on the floor mm-hmm. because all that separates you from the floor is a big ass rubber bumper yeah basically and that's it um and that's why people like those they're not necessarily lifting shoes but it's just like there's no they're cheap art, effect there's no arch support they're not yeah. going to throw you to the side either like you're not going to roll your ankle in one unless you're unless you're doing something fucking stupid mm-hmm. you know and they're popular enough that you can kind of wear them throughout your day they're also cheaper than most other options out there because they're not necessarily a shoe that's been, you know, submerged in technology. Yeah. Um, cause like then we get into like, there's the noble, um, noble shoe is mainly like a CrossFit style shoe. Um, they have lifters, they have running, and then they have like this kind of hybrid shoe. Um, and really the lifter I love, it's very flat. Um, but it does have certain um, aspects to it that make it, in my opinion, superior to a Converse. Like it has the bar on the side that makes it so that you're not digging into your sole whenever you're doing rope climbs, which is very helpful. Um, Then Nike has Metcons, which they push, um, and then Reebok also has Nano. Um, And the Nano shoes as well are, they're okay for lifting, but they're really cross-training shoes. And even those, when I had them, um, I kind of felt like I was almost rocking back and forth a little. It didn't feel the most stable in all of these options. Um, but again, like the Metcon and the Reebok Nano, for most of their designs, they come with that rope climbing edge, which is very helpful and beneficial if you are looking into something with like cross training or functional fitness type of routes. Then we can talk about the lifting belt. <sighs> the quintessential piece to your lifting, yes. uh, you know, accoutrement. Um, <laughs> for the longest time, especially the lifting belt, I was anti. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because um, I think that there is something to be said about developing your core, making sure mm-hmm. that your core works, um, learning how to feel that, like, I'm set and I'm ready and I have this engaged. Um, however... The main thing that the lifting belt does is it almost forces your body to, like, engage your core. Um, it's very similar to, like, if someone were to, like, touch those certain spots and tell you, okay, tighten this, tighten this, tighten this, tighten this. Um, the lifting belt, essentially, that's all it does is it forces your body to, when you take that inhale in, to get set, you brace your core against the belt. Yep. Um, and so... This can lead to PR increases, um, and also for some people, it can help them learn how to engage their core because it co- provides that constant stimulus. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, 
when I started using the lifting belt, which was only like three or four weeks ago, I've noticed that I can go on heavy sets of like six and not have to worry about, okay, is my form right? And so this has allowed me to wrap out like 275, 305 pound uh, sets of deadlifts without having to drop the bar eventually yep. and reset myself, mm-hmm. which I think is very helpful. Um, it makes it easier to hit the intended stimulus that you're working for. And I wouldn't this on the lifting belt anymore. Yeah. On top of that, not only is the lifting belt like uh, really good for like, you know, deadlifts, which is, you know, the number one thing that I use it for mm-hmm. deadlifts, but also squats, yep. uh, big time on the squats. There's some people who use it for other stuff, but other than those two main lifts, um, I personally don't push other lifts close to my max, close to my one rep maximum enough to where I really feel the necessity to have that belt. I feel like I I enjoy acquiring the additional benefit of core strength and core engagement mm-hmm. on my own volition uh, for other exercises. And uh, one of the things, too, with the lifting belt is that uh, it's a really important piece of equipment to push those maxes way higher. Mm-hmm. But there's a – on top of learning, like, when should you put on your lifting belt? right during your workout personally when it comes to deadlifts i definitely put it on when i get to 315 i i do put it on when i get to 275 yeah but like 225 might be like the last weight that i normally am lifting that i would not use a belt yeah like usually i'd say when you're approaching around 20 percent ish of your one rep max or maybe like somewhere between 20 and 10 percent is when you start yeah when you start getting close to within that range of the lift that's when you should probably start throwing on a a lifting belt on top of that another thing when it comes to deadlift and you're deadlifting for high volume Mm -hmm. that lower back uh, and your abs, they get really, really sore really, really quickly if you aren't training them a whole lot, which is yeah. another big piece of this whole equipment or, uh, you know, this whole situation is the reason why you would use that is because when you do it, it takes enough stress off your lower back to where you can continue to lift and, um, you know, essentially increase your total volume without stressing areas that are potentially underdeveloped. Mm-hmm. So. Um, and again, especially lifting belts, they're going to be a little pricey. Mine was 55 bucks. I got it from Rogue and I love it. Um, but I would definitely say like, don't purchase a cheap lifting belt. <laughs> I need um, to get a better one. <laughs> yeah. Like that's the thing is like a lifting belt. If you get something Velcro, usually the first thing that goes bad is the Velcro. Oh yeah. It's yeah. Velcro. Yeah. I, I'm not a big um, fan of Velcro ones. Mine's a buckle. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people have the lever belts now. Those are really popular. Yep. They're expensive and they're thick they too, though. But, but they, they don't do, go bad. They don't go bad, and they do everything a lifting belt needs to do to the best of its ability. Yep. And the way they're built is they're fitted to you, right? As opposed to a like you know a lever belt where it's you know yeah. crank it out to where I'm at the one like the one closest to where I need to be. The the lever belts are all right, throw this on here and snap it into place, which is measured out, which I measured out when I put in the, a lot of them are screw-ins, like the levers screw in, and then you snap it into the hole that you use regularly. And then when you clamp it, you're clamping it a little bit, 
you're clamping it into the tight tightest position you can handle yeah. or the, the position that you want that belt to be at pressure yeah. wise. And keep in mind that when you use a lifting belt, do not take a giant breath in <laughs> and then attach them to the lifting. Cause belt. then when you go, yeah, it's just, um, Mm-mm. Yeah, like I, I like to almost expel all the air out of my body and I then put on the belt. I actually vacuum when I do it. Vacuum? Yeah, like inhale okay. really deeply, blow out, and then okay. suck in your stomach. Yeah. And then, and then throw belt it. it. Yeah. That's... And, and it forces me to breathe with my chest as opposed to breathing with my stomach, which mm-hmm. I know is kind of good for you anyway. Yep. Okay. So now our last, you know, item, and I guess we've been kind of moving down the body. Um, except for the shoes (laughs) are the knee sleeves. Um, knee sleeves aren't really something that we see a lot of, especially around like the younger crowd. However, I feel like there's something that we don't really understand the purpose of. And so we don't use them, um, until it's almost too late. So basically the purpose of a knee sleeve is to keep your knee joints warm and ready to go. Now there's a difference between a knee sleeve and a knee brace. All right. The knee brace is not is there to support the knee, and actually, oftentimes, results in like the knee being coming weaker. Mm-hmm. Um, the knee sleeve, like especially if someone is low body fat or like extremely tall, like me, um, I've actually gone to the point where I'm debating whether or not I should buy some knee sleeves, just because like I know, especially in the winter months, my knees get cold, <laughs> and so I've noticed that like on squats, especially when I do those first couple of sets and those first couple of reps, my knees are, they're not upset with me, but they're also not as loose as they should be. And so the point of knee sleeves is to make sure that your knees are nice, warm, you know, ready to go, make sure those tendons are loose. And that way you don't have to worry so much about the, all right, am I resting too long? Are my knees going to tighten up on me? Um, Those, you know, fears and worries aren't necessarily there with this piece of equipment involved. Um, they can also protect your shins during rope climbs and deadlifts, which is kind of a hidden technology use. But, (laughs) um, if anyone out there has done like a lot of rope climbs, they understand the pain of, um, basically the rope climb will take some skin with you every time you go down. (laughs) Um, if, if you're going with legs, if you're using your legs, um, and so this can result in some pretty nasty, uh, tears. Yeah on your legs um and so just also a reminder there's a difference between knee sleeves and knee wraps yeah (laughs) yeah um if you wear knee wraps no one's going to allow you to use those in competition (laughs) and if you don't know what a knee wrap is essentially you put it on when your legs are straight that way whenever you go down to squat you have this um tension force that's trying to straighten out your legs so it makes coming out of your squat so much it's easier. like cheating <laughs> it is. it's not like cheating it is cheating it's like um, your muscle here's some extra force here's yeah. some extra pressure make sure that you uh, push this a little harder <laughs> there might be some applications for it oh, in yeah, training yeah, yeah. Where, where like it's helpful again I, I but it's cheating yeah i know and and just like you wouldn't count a uh you know a one rep max where you know someone pulls the weight off your chest on a bench press it's still good for your muscles too. I mean, you can train past failure if someone's assisting you yeah. for that for those final couple reps when you're uh, getting really tired. I mean, that's pretty useful. But I'd consider that probably around the same, same amount of stuff. <laughs> but 
Yeah, and while we're on the topic of uh, knee sleeves, we might as well hit elbow sleeves, yeah. which are you know kind of the same thing for the upper body. Yep. Uh, another benefit to elbow sleeves is sometimes they help uh, keep down like tendonitis, like tennis elbow or golfer's mm-hmm. elbows, because they put pressure right on the right on the tendon and make sure it stays in the groove it's supposed to. Yep. Which you start feeling this pain because it's probably gotten out and started getting inflamed. It's rubbing around stuff like that it'll start hurting and anyone that's ever hit you know uh, ever bench pressed a little too frequently or you know hit a bench press just kind of wrong you'll know it you'll know you know what i'm talking about this elbow elbow pain it it sucks it sucks so bad but once it goes away you feel so good it's ruined lifts for me and before you know Mm -hmm. elbow elbow pain you just you're like "Ah, i don't want to do this then you and you're also worried about hurting something because it does hurt like Like something's wrong. Like for me, whenever I do dips, my elbows start to not be happy. It can happen. Yeah. It can happen. So I think as far as gear goes, that's most, I mean, there's obviously like other niche gear. Um, A lot of it, if it's niche, like a, like a, oh, what do you call them? The dumbbell plates that you uh, wear over your neck and wear across your chest. It's a big bar and you basically like hug the back of your uh hug the back of your upper the upper part of your arm up against it like your triceps are pressed against it and then you can uh you can really hinge hard against it and it helps people um like uh, curl curl way better and it okay. hits the, it helps you hit the biceps more focused without rotating the shoulder too much and making sure you're just rotating at the elbow uh anyone that knows about the piece of equipment I'm thinking about Chances are you're also thinking about the clip of Arnold using it because Arnold loved the thing. Okay. He loves the piece of equipment. It's a really good piece of equipment. But there are other pieces of equipment other than the stuff we mentioned. And yeah. so um, this stuff is just more of the basic. This you is, know. I mean, this is all the all the stuff you pretty much need to know about. Yeah. Everything else, uh, you're getting into more uh, specified uh, specified equipment that might have a little bit more of a niche. Uh, use case so and the more niche it gets usually the more expensive as well expensive or fake yeah don't forget don't forget sometimes they do sell you uh fucking snake oil around here they sell you shit you don't need and sometimes it's not snake oil sometimes it's just i could do this for free or again sometimes sometimes the science behind it is not real (laughs) sometimes they can sell you something they'll be a scientist approved like like Anyone that studies science is a scientist by their metrics. So <laughs> their fourth grade cousin that said, you know, it feels good when they pick something up this way. Yeah. You know, and that's when they get you to like, use this to help straighten your back or something while you're doing this. And then you just shatter your spine doing something. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like they can they can try and sell you on stuff like that. So I'd say just stick the stick the main course of the road as far as gear goes, because anything else, your body's probably developed a system where yeah. You know, it can help you lift that weight in that way. Um, and if it don't feel right, look it up. Yeah. Look up what you're doing. Yeah. You know, just check your sources and keep an eye on uh, on what's going on. So Yeah, and yep. keep in mind that most of this gear we've talked about, we've never said it does the thing for you. Oh, yeah. It assists in doing the thing. It reminds you to do the thing. Or it might transfer the force a little bit. But never have we said, oh, it just makes the thing lighter. Yeah. Or um, or it prevents you from getting hurt. Yeah. In some of these cases, like the shoe thing. Yeah. The shoe thing is pretty important. You're not getting any benefit like 
more power because yeah, you can plant your feet harder in some of them, especially lifting shoes. Yep. Uh, and then others, it's like, you just don't want to lift in a running shoe because you're going to yeah. throw your ankle out sideways and hurt someone because your ankle's missing. <laughs> so if someone's trying to sell you a product, that's like, oh, it just makes the thing lighter. Like there's where like yeah, we start yeah. talking about snake oil, misdirection, you know, just understand that if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And if they can't prove a mechanism, yeah. then you probably shouldn't be using it. Right. So, all right. With that, I think we've hit everything that we want to cover. Um, any of the things we mentioned, we are not sponsored by, but it would be cool if we were. But <laughs> <laughs> So, all right, guys. With that being said, uh, I'll see you guys next time. See you.